Exactly. Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm going to talk on Summer Falcon screen, and we are joined by me, Chris Evans, and nobody. You're not nobody, Virat Nehru, freelance writer and critic, but that is the first film we're covering this week, which is In Cinemas Tomorrow, the new Bob Odenkirk feature. And uh, how much like anything else from Bob Odenkirk that we've seen before it is. And we are also covering Godzilla v Kong. We couldn't go a week without covering a versus smash yeah. em up. To be honest, this is a real uh, fight episode of Film Fight Club. There's a lot of f- very actual fighting. Before we get into those films, we want to cover very quickly the news of the week. We are getting straight into the reviews now. Uh, the Allianz Francais French Film Festival is finishing up this week. The Jewish National Film Festival also. Moonlight Cinema continues also until next week. A few uh, festivals long running wrapping up. Uh, but starting to run for a couple of weeks on Thursday night is the second annual, sorry, the third annual Fantastic Film Festival Australia. The second iteration ran briefly online and third iteration uh, with the new Shansono, which is the Australian premiere, will open on Thursday night at Randagritz Cinemas and also at Lido and Cameo and Hawthorne Cinemas in Melbourne. I That's saw it uh, at Sundance and uh, yeah, it is very Nick Cage. Nic- uh, sorry, I almost said Nicholas of the Ghostland. What is it? Prisoners of the Ghostland with Nicholas Cage, <laughs> right? Yeah it's, yeah, it's the perfect B. It's a very fantastic film fest movie. Yeah, it's a perfect B movie. Speaking of perfect B-movies, it's not quite that. We'll get into the details. It is Nobody, the new Bob Odenkirk film, also starring Connie Nelson, and I have my notes here, Russians. Lots of Russians. Lots of Russians. Very, very Russian. Lots of disposable Russian henchmen. Very like a a film we saw a few years ago and covered John Wick, written by the same writer, Derek Colstad. Yeah. And it is about a family man, played by Bob Odenkirk, in New York State, lives a very quiet life, until a home invasion, which sets off a series of events, which shows that, uh, his family and us and others that he has a life that we weren't quite aware of at the commencement of this film. Wait, I thought you were describing the plot of John Wick. It's very, very similar to John Wick. Uh, the world of this film, the nightclubs filled with Russian gangsters, you know, the aesthetics... It's very, very similar. It's just, I mean, even the, the setup of it is so similar in terms of, you know, if I had my family life. The details have been tweaked. This one veers a little bit more lighthearted and comedy as the film does in general, because, you know, rather than my, my wife is dead, it's like I just have to protect my family. But that's not quite summing up how stupid the setup for this movie is. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't be feel as stupid if we hadn't seen so many variations thereof in years past. This is obviously when to get the Taken and John Wick crowd. I didn't honestly mind the setup. I, I did note the aesthetics here very close to the John Wick. What was different was that John Wick had, and this isn't so much as a detraction, it was just had a different focus. There was more character building in this, in that John Wick was yep. more world-focused. They wanted to impress this idea of this broader world where there were more and more assassins. This wasn't quite that. This was focused on the Bob Odenkirk character, certainly a very good actor. Bob Odenkirk brings so much to this role. Yeah, I mean, five minutes into the film, Chris and I looked at each other, and I think uh, we said, this film is so stupid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but, but in well, a good way, because, like, how do you begin to even talk about this film in a very serious kind of yeah, critical fashion. I thought I, yeah, I thought I had watching this is that it's critic-proof. But, you know, here we go. We'll try. It has a, a great opening setup with this Edgar Wright-esque yeah, montage, the, the montage showing how great. boring his current domestic life is. I used to take these buses every day on the way into work, and um, I actually recognize a few of the locations in this film. It's, uh, yeah, it's relatable for a lot of folks. And but, then a thing happens which challenges 
his status, his masculinity in a very primitive way and also an incredibly relatable way. But this is so back to the 80s. This is like a death wish or something. Like the, the whole conceptualization of masculinity in this where it's, you know, if we can spoil the setup a little bit, you know, uh, something happens where he decides not to be a brutal murderer and everyone in this film's universe looks down on him for it. Basically emasculates him yeah, he's, for not making it's like, a pretty reasonable choice. Yeah, he, he made a, I, I would think, like a good choice in a lot of ways. But, um, which, I mean, it turns out it, it might not have been that, you know, he could have handled the situation based on the knowledge we know later in the movie. But, but at that point, it's a great character moment because we find out more and more why he chose to make that choice to not intervene at a crucial moment. Sure. Which is of commentary masculinity, but then that goes off the rails when we just have these crazy images of very stereotypical 80s Russian villains oh, look, going all out. The, the whole way that everyone is telling him he's, he's you know, n- not a real man, essentially. If I were re- reviewing this film's politics, I, you know, I would go to town on how disgusting yeah, this is. This, this but is this, this movie, it's framed, it's so dumb. Yeah, from, a, from a technological, narrative perspective, dramatic, stylistic, it is all 30, 40 years old. But there are some clever sensibilities, more clever sensibilities in terms of the staging of the action, um, a lot of the set pieces, the acting. Actors are clearly actually trying, unlike in a lot of these movies. They've cast good people like Christopher Lloyd as referenced Connie Nelson. Christopher Lloyd is fantastic in this. He's very funny. Yeah, and uh, I think the setup with his character gets also inverts a lot of the expectations around what you think is going to happen and how he also has his own masculinity moment. <laughs> it's, a, I mean, it's, it's a very masculinity movie. It's a very masculine film. I think what's also gives us a lot of heft is that I was watching through the credits. There are 35 stunt drivers, but five stunt doubles. And let me be clear, there's only really one car scene in this movie, which was very, very good. It's all hand-to-hand combat, some shooting action-driven. It is Odenkirk doing it. It is the others doing it. I enjoy watching them. There's no... There's not really any many cutaways. It's not as cleanly shot as John Wick. Yeah, I was thinking there's a strong force of stylization in this, but I don't think, and this comes down to, I've forgotten his name, the John Wick director, but he is, his background Chad is- Chad lucky. Great. His background is as a stuntman. And he's Keanu Reeves' stuntman too. So. Yeah, and that comes through. Um, John Wick, I think, has better action staging. Um, and, and towards the end, I was kind of, I was ready for this film to end when it did. I felt like it had played pretty much all its cards by the time it was wrapping up um, because there's not that much variation in, in the action. There are some fun traps, you know, and use of the environment towards the end. I actually disagree. I think with John Wick, especially when the films went on, we saw a lot of repetitive moves by Keanu Reeves. I think in every sequence we see... Odenkirk doing similar things, but it's always, as said, in different environments. So it's staged creatively enough each moment where you don't feel you're watching the same thing over again. I remember each action scene. They don't blend together. They're not forgettable. They're all enjoyable because one takes place on a bus. One takes place in a domestic setting. One takes place in a overly solicit place, a la um, the best action scene in the first John Wick film. Actually, I mean, uh, that's the good comparison point because uh, the complaint I had with the last... John Wick film uh, was that each action scene was blending into each other. It became a shoot him up kind of situation. John Wick. Whereas this film, uh, it has, he uses his action sequences quite sparingly. It's interesting because the setup, there are three major action sequences and they're quite, you can tell them apart pretty easily and they have very specific purposes. That is true. I should clarify on my saying, um, 
I agree that there is variation in, in the way the action set up, but I feel like there wasn't much more in this in the bag of tricks in this film for if it were to go on much longer. Maybe it's just the extreme... It's a three-action set-up film. Yeah, yeah. maybe it's just the extreme stupidity of the whole thing that by the end, I think I was... It, it was dumb and fun up to a point, and to me the point is right before it ends... Um, where I thought, okay, this is just too stupid, time to wrap it up. And then it does. It it's does. a very it, it, straight to the point B movie. It wrapped up appropriately. I'm um, having said on the point of wrapping up, it bookends the film in a very stereotypical and lousy way. It was one of the detractions for me. Having Talking about um, the action sequences though, something that annoyed me, especially about the third John Wick film, was that it went, and, and the first one with the final boss fight, it went by video game rules, but it went... Stupid, and that finally you have this older boss who's clearly not in the physical capability of his henchmen, but he's the best. And also, Thank when you. we had the guys with the helmets, you had to shoot them twice, like in Double O Agent and Goldeneye. <laughs> um, the final scene in this film plays out like a lot like Time Crisis 2. The aesthetic is very familiar, but it's in a fun way and it's not a stupid way. The boss fight, it's a little bit stupid, but it's not as stupid as a lot of other comparative films, including the John Wick films, and they have very interesting ways of dispatching villains in this, it's really, including at the very end, it's which is very creative. That's true. It's really that the whole movie is stupid. You know, like it's stupid from, you know, like no one shows sympathy for him. Everyone's all like, oh, why didn't you kill them after he's just <laughs> had this break-in? And from there, it's it's just about getting you to root for a guy who splatters people's brains really well, just like John Wick. And, it, you know, they, they succeed. It, wor- it works. There's also, and you can't avoid this with Odenkirk, and especially with the uh, dynamics between him and his son, there is a Breaking Bad element to this. Mm-hmm. Is going, they know they're going for the John Wick and Breaking Bad crowd, and but when people he- uh, feel that it's a similar in those veins, people aren't going to flock to this, and for good reason. Yeah. It is a good film. Better Call Paul? Better Call Saul. Better Call Bob. Excuse me, Better Call Jimmy McGill. Uh, or Hutch, which is his character's name in this film. Yeah, he, I, I feel Odenkirk, like I've watched... Enough of Better Call Saul and all of Breaking Bad a couple of times. And Better Call Saul's really good, by the way, it, if anyone's listening. Great show. Oh, it's great, but he is, and he's someone who's very synonymous with one particular character, but he's good in the fact that he can rise and does rise above it. I was just thinking, like, if you followed his career from the start, it's such a funny place that he's ended up at. <laughs> it's like the, it's a guy known for sketch comedy, yeah. playing really, really absurd roles. What was the 90s sketches? The, Mr. Show, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is uh, one of the best ever sketch comedy shows. Um, in, in a way, it's... Coming back full circle, right? This is this is there as is a, absurd a role. There is a but he's playing it pretty straight. That's it. Which there's, is interesting. There's a heavy hint of comedy, but he also brings quite soulful depth to this very simple character. It's, he's a great it's, actor. It's, it's a guy who whose daughter thinks he's the greatest person in the world, whose relationship with his wife's a little on the edge, who wants to be Superman to his son, mm-hmm. and those are all played in very old strokes. But again. Um, that's going to hit home for a lot of people. It taps into a lot of very real family dynamics in the way they've set up a quite um, endearing family for the little time we spend with his children and to a lesser extent his wife too, Who and she was great. But uh, giving props to Odenkirk, I think what sets him apart here, despite him giving the daddest of dad performances, this could have easily been the Tom Hanksian style, you know, woe is me, I'm the American dad that nobody respects and I want to earn back the respect of my son moment. 
but he's pretty uh, deadpan throughout, and he's having fun with it. Don't this call nine actually, one one. Amazing. He plays it yeah. really well. Yeah, you yeah. you believe him as a badass, right? Yeah. Which is yeah. so oh, so absolutely. weird for yeah. <laughs> well, Bob Kirk. Well, well, they they set it up well with the bus sequence. Like it's believable, and it wouldn't have worked if he hadn't done the stunts, and he did. I need to talk about the bus sequence just to give an idea of the ridiculous eighties. Russians, of this Russians, movie. Russians. Yeah. So the, the initial incident of like uh, that starts up the film um, and sets him on the path to being emasculated and having to prove himself uh, is resolved. And then just randomly a gang of evil goons come to rape a girl. And so a big man has to step in. It's so goddamn 80s movie stupid. It is also interesting in the sense because I thought they were going for a very clever inversion about, you know, you think you're going for your big release and there's something more, you know, you haven't figured out, you even think... The bad guys are not all bad. Yeah, you know, right. there's layers I don't to know, them. I, I've been on these bus routes. They are, they are sketchy. Okay. They're they sketchy now, and that's yeah, fine. But that, that you would not want to be, I have been, at least it's, at but this time you, of not, night, you don't want to be that time of night alone, especially as a, a young, young woman. woman. Absolutely. It, mm. it was, it was, but it was just the, the, you know, absolutely, I would, I wouldn't say fortuitous timing because, you know, I, I wouldn't like wish anyone to be experiencing that. But for this character, Bob Odenkirk's character. It was a fortuitous timing because it's he just felt a like he, he I, needed I that release at exactly that time, yeah. and he's like, "Oh my god, these are people that I can beat up without any guilt or remorse." Look, bigger yeah, coincidences it, have happened, <laughs> but it's you know, it's just been the plot served him up some goons. It turns out the goons led him to no, more goons. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there there are Russian goons running about I, New York I, State. I, 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 I buy I think, it. I think I think uh, the bus driver is the one to blame in this scenario. Uh, no, she really, truly was not. Um, she, who was she makes the most unrealistic choice. What, what are you, why, you? Why would you open the door? Um, that's you not what happened at all. Away. I don't want to ruin the setup here, but that is yeah. absolutely not how the scene plays out and the circumstance and intimidation she was confronted with. I absolutely disagree, and I will leave it for people and people want to see the to make their own minds in that regard. Okay, okay. Right. It, it was still stupid, but it's fun. I feel I wouldn't stand up to these guys if I were the bus driver. I'll just say that. You can just drive off. Don't uh, no, that wasn't quite how the scene played out without getting into particulars. Okay, all right. I, I, would, I would strongly disagree. Yeah. Um, he was also really good, Alexei Sebryakov as Yulian Kuznetsov. He was great. He was very funny. He was very bombastic and the singing scenes were really good. I liked the um, Home Alone scene or as Chris alluded to, Straw Dogs. <laughs> right, right. Um, um, at this point, I would say Skyfall. I compare this most to Skyfall. Yeah, good. In terms um, of how it's staged. Yeah. And what, the level of mayhem. Traps. Uh, good, <laughs> good fun and good payoff. Also, um, what I liked about this, the soundtrack, Nat King Cole, who I've adored since I was very small. Pat Benatar, a song I've only ever heard in my bedroom that got played a lot in this movie. Nina Simone was in there. Yeah. Um, uh, Roger Haberstein with their... Best song subsequently some, one of the best one of the best songs subsequently a uh, EPL anthem. Some very well known songs getting. Uh, I, yeah. I think that the film's the highlight is actually setting up these well known jazz pieces uh, against some very the unexpected, uh, yeah, unexpected visuals, which uh, yeah, yeah, for the lulls, but also kind of dumb. At this point, <laughs> I feel like there've been a lot of John Wick imitators by now, or maybe not that many, but there've been a lot of John Wick movies. And but at at the end of John Wick three, I I said enough. I started liking this series, and I'm completely burnt out by now. And then we have other movies like Birds of Prey. Um, what are some others that have done like John Wick style action? Uh, the New Death Wish. New Death Wish, right? Yeah, but this is honestly, um, I think part of it its own. Jo- the, the writer it's is become- smart enough that he's written his own genre here. Sure, but. 
this is very familiar. This is a well-executed one with enough that makes it different, but I don't think we can have too many more films just like this for too much longer. Yeah, what I would say is, look, if you've never seen John Wick, go see it, it's great. If you saw John Wick and you really liked it, um, I'd recommend this too. I think you'd enjoy it. Comparing it to John Wick, this gets back to the simple, relatable human the first, protagonist the first, of the first, the first one, film, which yeah. is a, a big part of why you cheered on that character, his everyman qualities combined with this hidden superhero ability. Um, I, I like how this really focuses on that and, as Glenn said, spends more time building him up. By the end of John Wick 3, this guy is just like, it's a superhero it's movie. It. You know, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it changed genres. I've, I've argued in the show before how I like that we're essentially in this world where there are all these demigods running around, but I liked the still the groundedness of the first film. And this gets back it's, to the yeah, basics yeah, like that. Yeah, actually, yeah, in, in that sense... Uh, Russians, it, Russians, Russians! Yeah. In that sense, even uh, Bob Odenkirk's character also is not a demigod. He, he does... Yeah. He's nobody. Well, Although he has, he has some a very, very particular set of skills, though. He, he does, mm. but also, like, you know, he's not someone who kind of escapes without, you know, any kind of wrinkle on the shirt or something. And you, you do see him. Yeah, in, sure. Yeah. yeah. Trouble. He, he, he bleeds. Um, he bleeds. Do you bleed? bleed? Yes, he does. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. So that, Why did you use that? That, oh, you, you can listen to our Justice Review League review, yeah. review from last week. You, you know, I, I was talking to someone who um, went in saying, like, I won't watch it. I hate Zack Snyder. I hate I hated the theatrical cut of Justice League, and I told him it was good. And he was like, oh, yeah, does it still have that, well, something's bleeding line? I'd completely forgotten that in Justice League. In the theatrical cut, they had a throwback to the do you bleed thing in Batman versus Superman. I and they had where Superman says, tell me, do you bleed to Batman? And after he's just like smacked Batman to the ground and Batman goes, well, uh, I think something's bleeding. Oh, man. They, they, they cut out <laughs> the bad bits. There are lots of bad, bad, bad bits that Whedon added to that movie. Yeah, and it was him. Yeah, um, it was Whedon's editions. We didn't yeah, know that's the time it. Yeah. it yeah. That's Justice League and that is nobody. It is in cinemas tomorrow. And next... Dun, 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 Godzilla versus Kong. Godzilla v Kong. It is the sequel to Dawn the- of Justice. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, yeah, yeah. good. That was this, good. This is what the fourth film because you had Kong Skull Island. You had the two, two Godzilla films. And this is and now this, I never saw Godzilla the, the King last of the one. Monsters. Neither yeah, wait, did I. wait. There's this two. Yeah, there was yeah, one a couple Billy of years Bobby ago. Brown. Yeah, no, no. Billy, apparently she was introduced in that one. Yeah, because uh-huh. I was like, who is this character? Exactly. And Carl Chandler had a bigger role in that one. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, he's in this too. It also stars Rebecca Hall. It's from Anna Wingard. It stars Rebecca Hall. You settled all the exposition here. Uh, always, it's always the best actor. Alexander Skarsgård, Assembly Bobby Brown, Julian Dennison, and Ayaza Gonzalez. It is. It's all in the. T- I just look. I, I wrote for my plot description here as per title. It's Godzilla v Kong. Uh, it's not the first time they've been together, but uh, they have to fight. They're not together, guys. They're fighting. Godzilla, Sparring. Yeah. Actually, a romantic comedy with Godzilla and Kong, <laughs> I'd, I'd be really into instead of this. Just hanging out. Like, they, 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 they pick up the ship from the sewers and then just, like, go for a picnic in I the mean, Sinai. Actually, if you think about it, the setup is kind of like a meet cute. But what, not really. It's meet, like the worst the sort of meet cute I, possible. You know, I, I saw you and I had to come and beat you up. <laughs> yeah. Your yeah. presence annoyed me. <laughs> I actually hate the way this film opens. It opens with Kong scratching his butt. In the first film, he was so intimidating. Yeah. He's this great figure rising out of the sun, throwing treats at these helicopters. And here's this, this guy who's like, I feel like a shower. This is, this is actually... Um, getting to the core of what I didn't like about this movie. There is yeah, we're, take, we're taking this review seriously, guys. Yeah. There's no sense of awe for these characters. And it's such a change from the... I didn't like the 2014 Godzilla, 
That was bad. Except but, for the scene where they fell from the sky. Yeah. But there was some real, if not that well executed, some real vision behind Anticipation. it. Anticipation. And, you know, you yeah. built it. You, you realize that this this being, this extraterrestrial uh, divine entity. Well, not extraterrestrial yeah. as we Sorry, I mean, yeah. get into. Supernatural. But yeah. it was it was designed to, natural within this the, universe. The mythos. Yeah. It was designed to instill a sense of awe. I appreciated that. I think that's the best way to approach these characters. I think the best Japanese Godzilla movies have approached it Without that question. way. Go see Shin Godzilla. Shin Godzilla from five years ago is really good. It's one of the best that's been done. Um, but this one harks back more to like 70s Godzilla where, you know, monster mash, really stupid, you know, fair enough. It's a valid approach, but... I really hated the cutesy way they depicted Kong in this. Um, it just made it. Uh, they needed someone at least at the beginning to feel like a good and a bad, and they kept. Sw- they can't decide what these characters are. They can't decide what these figures are in this universe, mm. which makes the film less interesting. Oh, so I don't know if this happened. This really bothered me. I don't know if this happened in the last Godzilla film, but we open learning that the entire population, save one person of the Kong Skull Island, have been wiped out. That's horrifying. Right. But it's a it storm, but it just doesn't matter in this universe. We, yeah, we don't care. Genocide was, is like, you know. Well, it wasn't a genocide. No. It was a storm. And, yeah. Um, but they were, and, but they all died off screen. Like they went, whatever. <laughs> when who, who ca- The film's saying who cares. The, the criticism of every single one of these movies, except for Kong Skull Island, has been way too much human drama that is stupid versus, um, you know, monster smackdowns. The human drama in this is really, really terrible, and there's still a lot of it. Like, they, they just can't get it right. Um, there are no character arcs. Oh, no, there are none. Think about it. Except, well, it's not... I go in it, wanting it, to prove Monarch is bad. I prove Monarch is bad. They, they, tr- they treat the whole little girl learns to communicate with giant monkey as a character arc. It's not... It's a, it is a nice moment, but it's just told with this very typical, like, ET-esque iconography. It's, yeah, it, apparently that was added to the film in reshoots. I can totally tell because, it, to me... It feels just so perfunctory and so basic. Like we're, we're going to have a kid. We're going to have a, the kid who constantly is doing this, this like kind of sad, yeah, yeah, mugging, Looking, brooding uh, out in the distance. Need, yeah, need friends. Yeah, it's very cloying to me. As what was the her the way that King Kong interacted with her, and a big part of why it doesn't work for me is that the CG is really bad. Except for Godzilla. It's Godzilla one of the best renderings great. that's been done. Yeah. The, this Kong looks so much worse than the one in Peter Jackson's King Kong. Yeah. Jackson um, did it well. Yeah. Th- there's a moment when Kong eats a bunch of fish and his face just looks so dumb to me. He just has a dumb looking face. Like I'm okay with technically not that good looking CG, but it's artistically bad. In fact, the whole movie just looks really ugly and tacky. And having said that though, some of the action sequences, the freighter scene, really creatively staged, looked relatively realistic. The best scene in the film, and my favorite, um, was the second act where they go to, let's just say, a place that requires a great deal of conception and imagination, both in terms of I um, loved the that physics world. And we saw Kong in a different environment. Um, I love the visuals in the scene. It's I loved the, what it took to creatively stage this. I love that it actually developed the idea of this universe and the plot in this world more generally, unlike anything else in this movie. Yeah, suddenly the film becomes fun uh, f- for about five minutes at this point. I was just totally bored. So there's but a beautiful visual yeah, halfway through, exactly. Uh, y- yes, there's a, there's, a, there's a scene that's actually um, shades of 2001 and, and Interstellar in, in the way that uh, this vehicle is used. Suddenly I was transported. It was, that's oh, it. Uh, not, it was just, not, not even that scene. I'm, I'm thinking of actually another scene involving gravity. 
Right. Another no, scene no, involving that, gravity. But that, leads on, but that leads on from the sequence I'm talking about. Yes, they, they were both Just from marvelous. that moment onward. And it felt like a real sense of adventure up. going real sense farther, of wonder. going... It, it feels like you're discovering a new frontier, going into the unknown. There's mm. a great a sense of awe, which we didn't get, as Missing. Chris said, with the, char- with the treatment of the characters. We also don't get much of a sense of awe in the... The Smackdowns. To me, it was just weightless creatures hitting each other. It was, like, and I'm not exaggerating, Pacific Rim 2 in the staging, very, in the plotting. The whole thing was very similar everything. to Pacific and Rim And it was 2. in Hong Kong again. Yeah. Um, the, <laughs> the monsters, I think, are too badly animated for me to really buy what they're doing in the action scenes. Like, I, there were times that the way they moved, it just looked weightless to me. Um, Look, I, I think what the central problem with film, and these films in particular, is that uh, we aren't able to decide what the monsters represent. Are they supposed to it's be... It's meaningless. They don't represent anything. Yeah, you know, they're just... If you're going to go on down the route of, like, just give people big monster mash because we've had a pandemic and people need, you know, fictional characters to bash each other up because, <laughs> you know, we don't need any more human <laughs> sort of, uh, you know, psychological turmoil to consider or think about. So let's have two fictional beings bash each other up for no, no rhyme and reason, because it's fun summer action blockbuster time. To that, um, there was a third entity to introduce, which I really enjoyed. We're not going to ruin it. But speaking to that point, um, Godzilla is hugely iconic for good reason and relevant within Japanese culture. Kong, one of the very earliest, very specific icons of cinema, um, has great meaning too. The significance of him, and I'm rooting the ending of the first King Kong film here, uh, climbing up to the Empire State Building and falling, there's huge and very evident symbolism in that. There is an equivalent scene where they try to, and I'm not trying to make a pun here, ape that, where they oh, Kong climbs up a building. It's like, oh, look, he's on a building. There you go. And it doesn't actually mean anything. It's just the hark back versus so, trying to say something about either the place this figure uh, has played within our lives or what it historically or what Godzilla Stokesley represents none of that is the, they're not even yeah. attempting that here it's just let's throw these it's guys meaningless. together because it's Kong and Godzilla which can be fun but for a really good film to watch again you need more I never would have thought that I would have said this a couple of weeks ago but I feel like I wanted to see Zack Snyder's version because he at least would have respected the cinematic iconography and the grandeur of holy shit it's Godzilla fighting King Kong um, something actually Chris said last week about just something I've been thinking about that there's thematic coherency and consistency none of that was here imagine none. if they had an approach which said here's what Kong represents to the western world yeah. and the and and the African world um, for a and here's what Godzilla represents to Japan yeah. and, communities, and other communities around the world. And reckon with that, it doesn't even bother. No, that, that's that's true. I actually just yesterday saw a critic I like make that point on Twitter. They, were, they said something like, here's the creature representing the, the um, anxiety post-nuclear bomb being dropped on Japan. And here's this um, character with this past linked to um, colonialist history of America. A lot's been written about that, who come to destroy a city colonized by the british that and you know oh yeah the geopolitics of this movie oh oh dear again we yeah yeah wow but, um, mm. but they're but, not but thinking the thing, about that yeah and oh no they are thinking about the geopolitics for the box office purposes but none of this but none of them yeah. but maybe the, yeah, this is a big question maybe critics have to grapple with that grapple grapple mm-hmm. whatever you know they have to consider it is do we should we expect more from our summer action blockbusters or if we want to remember them why not yeah exactly i think people are going to forget this and that the character the human part just takes up too much of the movie people are saying it's fine because you get to see the monsters smash each other up and they're enjoying yeah, those well, action well, scenes more than i did is, but is it, like is the it, characters are so annoying i know the but kid from hunt for the wilder people 
Julian Dennison, he's not great uh, yeah. in this. But they just no, easily he's not playing a character. Sneak into oh, a, he's a facility. He's, he's a hacker who doesn't know HTML. Come on. And there's so <laughs> many subplots that just don't get developed at all. Like there's an evil monarch person who appears and then dies really quickly. Um, there's the Paul thing about- just there to say, Millie Bobby Brown, where are you? Yeah. Which is a fair role for a father, but he doesn't but yeah, really have just, any function in this movie. He reminds me of Liv Tyler in Titanic, where they, so Titanic, <laughs> in Armageddon, where they just keep cutting back to his think, concern Did you mean Ad Astra? Right. Um, this- the characters really easily snuck into this top secret military facility, didn't they? Yeah. And also the the bit about the it guy, never be that your easy. father, you know, you you your father couldn't do it, but you can help us break into Hollow Earth, and that all just happens in like one scene. There's so much going on in this that the subplots get lost in all the just dumb flashing things. Yeah, but I mean that I mean, that's <laughs> I'm I'm trying to take away my snob hat and put on like a common person hat and thinking. Is it is it too much that we're expecting out of our action blockbusters to be like, uh, well, you know, I went in to expect two monsters bash each other up. But we enjoyed Nobody and we, we enjoyed we, Justice League, Snyder. But, no, so, but, I mean, but Nobody spoke about ideas of masculinity, yeah. where on society, stuff that is relevant to the 80s and relevant today. There's stuff about Godzilla and, and Kong that were rele- was relevant back then that is even more, arguably more relevant now that's true. and that they didn't even bother to dig into. It was just, we had these two giant things, we have the property right, the rights, let's smash them together. And to me, the problem is it's just not really fun. Like I did yeah, not. Okay, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah that's the, the main problem. Yeah, the, the action scenes aren't, that aren't good enough to justify all the rest of the horrible. Yeah, bad CGI, bad staging. Uh, you know, just, not even the just stake, perfunctory. We've the seen stakes, so many of these movies now. Not, stakes are not there. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, nothing mattered in this universe, unlike in Nobody. So that is Kong v Godzilla v Kong. Excuse me. It is in cinemas now. Nobody, starring Bob Odenkirk, is in cinemas tomorrow. Uh, we recommend definitely seeing one. Stay tuned for the Sonic Assassin. Uh, let us know what you want us to fight about. Movie, subject, topic. Uh, more festivals happening now. Something fantastic's happening this week. Uh, you can catch the last of the French and Jewish film festivals as well as Moonlight Cinema. This has been Glenn Falkenstein, Chris Evans, and Varat Nehru. Stay safe, have a wonderful night, and enjoy movies and enjoy dancing. Good night. Bye-bye.